Good morning. How are you all doing? Good. I'm going to, um, <clears throat> my intro is going to be an update on Pray and Go. So you'll see some slides behind me. Am I on? Uh, you'll see some slides behind me. And um, the first slide you're going to see is the one where that's kind of the, the map before we had gone out at all. And we started just, uh, not yesterday, but a week ago, Saturday. And we went out and we hit um, 100 homes. That's pretty good. Um, but since then, we've been out actually uh, a few more times. And um, at this point, we've actually done almost nine times that. So we've hit 893 homes as of yesterday. That's a whole lot, folks. So awesome, awesome job. We still got more door hangers to, um, to pass out. Um, again, I want to encourage, and my challenge and my exhortation is for every person to go once before the year ends. Uh, we got a date set for Saturday, December 7th. Um, <clears throat> some ladies couldn't do it yesterday, so they got together and came up in the middle of the week. So if, if December 7th doesn't work, you can get a group together um, and come up in the week, and we can um, show you where to go on the map, and you can go hit that section for as long or as short as you're able to. We already have some sections um, set aside for people that can't do as much walking. So um, we've got those reserved as well, so don't let that prohibit you. Again, you can go for as long or as short as you want. Um, you can also text me if you want to go out with me, and um, I'll grab, uh, try to grab a couple other people, um, and we'll go and, and hit some areas as well. So I've, tried, I've kind of built in some time to my schedule to be able to do that. So let me know, text me, and we can, we can set something up. Um, I'm excited to bring the word to you all today. Uh, God's good, amen? amen? Why is he good? Because he is. <laughs> That's right, because he loved us when we were ugly. Why else? I kind of heard something over here, because of his nature. His nature, yep. Why else? This is like a warm-up for our Thanksgiving service next week, Okay. Get you guys rolling a little bit. Um, come on, though. I need some more from you. He provides for us. Jehovah Jireh. He, he sent his son for us, right? He made us. He sustains all things. Yep. We could go on and on, all right? We'll have an opportunity next week to give thanks to the Lord for those things. Um, turn to Revelation 19. I figure since this is my last sermon talking about the vision that we'd go to the last book. Almost the last chapter, not quite. Twenty-five sermons you all have heard from me. No joke, I counted them yesterday. <laughs> 25 sermons on what I believe the Lord wants us to do and be as a church. We're going to look at Revelation 19 in just a moment, so keep your place there. Uh, one of the things I like about Pray and Go, uh, the ministry that we're doing where we're going out into the community, is it gives us a specific way to do outreach. That's one of the advantages with 
what we might call an outreach program. Uh, but as I've thought about it, <clears throat> God's actually given us the perfect evangelistic program. It's called the church. And the church is the witness about whom Christ was and what Christ did on this earth. Ultimately, it's really not about a program. It's not about a program. Um, it's, a, it's a people. Okay? And I checked my Bible. You can check yours, but I didn't see anything in there about YWAM or Campus Crusade. They call it crew now. Youth for Christ. Child Evangelism Fellowship. Inner Varsity. Uh, those aren't the Bride of Christ. They're not. Now, uh, let me just say a side note. I, I worked for uh, a parachurch ministry for many, many years volunteering and um, on staff getting paid for them. So I know the value of the parachurch organizations. Um, they definitely have a role in their place, but they are not the Bride of Christ. The church, the church, the church is the Bride of Christ. And there's only one Bride. Only one. So those organizations might fade away. Some of them have, but not the church. Those organizations might leave the groom. Some of them have, not the church. Those organizations aren't the church. They're separate entities. They are there to assist, aid, and help the church. The church, my friends, is a living entity. It is living and breathing. Listen, if this building burned down tomorrow, would Liberty Church still be here? Yes, right? Why? Because we're, we're a group of believers. We're covenanting together to come together and identify with one another as brothers and sisters. Now, we chose this particular location, okay? But if we took the roof away, it'd be a little cold maybe today. But we could take the roof away, we'd still have a church. We could knock out the walls, we'd still have a church, okay? Now, we do need something to stand on, all right? But we could be out, we could be out you know, 500 yards that way, we could be standing in our field, and we could be Liberty Church. Because it's not about a building, it's about the people. So I want you to hear this. The church is the witness of Christ on this earth. The church. Not crew, not the Billy Graham Association, not any organization at all, but the church. The church is the witness. Now, look at Revelation 19. I want you to see this. Starting in verse 6. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory for the marriage of of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. What we're seeing here, friends, is the culmination, the very end of when Christ will come back 
to claim the church, his bride, for himself. And this is literally, as it says, the marriage feast of the lamb and his bride. Okay? So we're like, we're like in the engagement period right now. We're the bride. Then there's going to be this wedding feast at the end of times. And notice what it says towards the end. Verse 9, blessed are those who invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. All true believers are invited to be there for that supper. And really, that call now, before Jesus comes out, there's really an invitation to everybody. Everyone's got an opportunity to get that invitation. They're receiving it. But someday the stamp is going to come down. And you're going to have to have the invitation to get in that door. That you've known Christ, that you've accepted him. My question for us, I know all of us in here, if I asked, do we believe the gospel? We'd say yes. Look at Romans 1.16. I've been doing a lot of praying and going lately, friends. And I've been doing some meditating as I've been praying and going and having some sweet times of fellowship with the Lord. Reflecting on some of the things that I've been praying for the different houses that we've gone to and the different people that we've, uh, that we've met. And I want us to see something here in Romans 1, verse 16. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say, I am not ashamed, I am not ashamed. of the gospel. Amen. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. My question is, do we believe it's the power of God into salvation? Because the gospel really changes lives. The good news of Jesus Christ, that he came down, lived a perfect life, took your place on the cross, paid your debt, and now that offer is for each one of you to trust in him and receive eternal life. I mean, that's good news. And receiving that, the gift that God gives us, like, it's transformation from the inside out. Now, here's the thing. If God is not involved, will a person get saved? No, right? I mean, I know, it's kind of like a duh thing. But, but God's always involved. I'm, I'm making a point here. He has to be involved. Is it a possible for a person to get saved apart from God's intervention? No, it's really not. If there's no God, there's no salvation. If God's not working, there's not going to be a changed life. If there's no God, there's no hope of heaven. If there's no God, there's not going to be forgiveness. So hear me out. It really actually doesn't take an awful event to get people to a place of wanting to be saved. Now, God uses that. But it doesn't take that. And it doesn't take hopelessness and despair to get people to a place of wanting to be saved. Now, now God uses that. I get that. But what does it take? It takes the Spirit of God moving that person. It takes God himself interceding in that person's life. Look at John chapter 6. Look at verse 44. No one can come to me, this is Jesus speaking, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Okay? How many people can come to him? No one. Is there any exception clauses there? No. No one can come. To me, unless the Father who sent me draws him. It's the Spirit of God who draws people to the Son. And 
I'm, I'm, I'm kind of making this a point. One, because if we believe this, then let's act on it. But my point is this, like, <clears throat> I mean, as we're out, I think sometimes we think, well, something does need, awful need to happen in somebody's life for them to, to be more open to the gospel, or, or they do need some hopelessness there for them to realize that there's hope in Christ. Again, God uses those things, but friends, um, I know many, many people that have been saved that had hope. Now, it might have been a false hope, but they had hope, and they weren't in despair, and they didn't have awful things going on in their life. I mean, all it really truly takes is the Spirit of God using His Word to regenerate His people. So, you know, when we're, when we're out there, when we're doing outreach, when we're out there walking on the streets, when we're, when we're out there praying for people, when we're at our Thanksgiving dinners and we get these opportunities and we take a step of faith and open our mouth a little bit, we, we, don't, we don't have to depend on circumstances for people to get saved. We really don't. It's the Spirit. And if God wants to save someone, He's going to do that. So we have to trust Him to be able to do that. So let's believe the Lord is going to save people. Now, I've been guilty of it myself. I've confessed and repented. Like I've been like, Lord, you're not going to save this person, or how could you save that person? Like That's, that's really me. That's bad theology. Because really I'm making a statement about who God is, if you think about it, right? <clears throat> and it's doubting on my part. Like, God can save the worst of the worst of the worst. I mean, he saved Moses. Moses was, was this murderer. I mean, we could go on and on. Paul, murderer. I mean, so God can save. That is the beauty of the gospel. It can take the worst of the worst of the worst. And, and if we have been walking with the Lord for a bit, and we're honest with ourselves, we know that we are one of the worst of the worst of the worst. That we need it. So let's believe the Lord will save people. Let's really believe it. And let's pray and beseech Him that the Lord would save these people that we're coming into contact with. Let's really pray as we're going out there door to door that He'll use those opportunities that we get, that He'll use something as simple as a little door hanger. And we can't become jaded with this. We cannot become jaded with this. That's what the enemy wants. He wants you discouraged and jaded when it comes to sharing your faith. And you've got you to you rebuke the enemy. You've got to wipe that away. He wants you doubting. He wants you discouraged. Listen, God can save whomever he wants. He can save whomever he wants. So start believing and start asking the Lord. You have not because you ask not. God wants to give good gifts to his children. You know, last night in our family devotions, um, uh, we're, we're going through this Bible book, and at, at the end of each passage uh, of Scripture, it has some different questions. We're going through Exodus right now. And uh, the last question was, what enemy does Jesus give us peace from? It was kind of a trick question. Um, I figure it might, might trip up my kids, because... Uh, if you just heard that, you might, you might, your first answer might be Satan. That's actually not correct. You might say sin. Uh, you might even possibly say yourself. Uh, but the real answer, what enemy does Jesus give us peace from? The real answer is God. Because we were enemies of God. 
And the illustration, well, look at Romans 5.10. I want you to see this first, and I'll give you a little illustration. We'll look at verse, uh, start in verse 9, Romans 5. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. What are we being saved from? The wrath of God. It goes on, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, that's not, it's not popular to talk about today being an enemy of God and telling people that. That doesn't jive with the current culture or the trend of our society. But if you, I mean, what do you got to be saved from? I mean, yes, you got to be saved from your sins, but really, you need to be saved from God. Think about it. You're, you're at an enemy of God as an unbeliever. And his wrath, we just read it, is going to be poured out on unbelievers. You got to be saved from that. That's what you got to be saved from. And I remember, uh, I remember hearing this from uh, different preachers as I, uh, after I had gotten saved. And, and I was like, wow. And then I saw the verse. I mean, it's, it's in the scriptures. It's all over. We could, I could spend a whole sermon doing it. And I was like, man, as I saw this in different passages, I was like, dude, we really are enemies of God as unbelievers. Like, he is going to pour out his wrath. Rightfully so. Look at Colossians chapter 1. We'll start in verse 19. It's talking about Jesus here. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So it says, you once were alienated and hostile in mind. I think some versions even say it says enemies in mind, doing evil deeds. But Focus on verse 20 for a second. Making peace at the end, it says, by the blood of his cross. Making peace. The illustration I want to give you is think of two countries that are at war. They're enemies. There's two countries. They're against one another. Well, what happens when they sign the treaty and declare truce? I mean, there's peace. Right? Not warm, fuzzy feeling. But there's peace. No more enmity, no more fighting. So when you see peace, a lot of times in the scriptures, especially when it's talking about what Christ did for us, that peace is saying he became, we were at war with God, and he brought peace. Not like, oh man, everything's, oh yeah, we're like floating on a cloud or something like that. Not a feeling, but an objective truth to the situation, he brought peace, literal peace peace, that there's no more war going on, that we're no longer enemies of God, that the wrath is not going to be poured out upon us. But here's the key that you have to remember. It's through Jesus. You have to have the Jesus part. You ain't got the Jesus, you don't get the peace. That's why Ephesians talks about that. Colossians talks about that. Romans talks about that. But we got to know that we're enemies first 
Because we've got to know what we're going to be saved from, who we're going to be saved from. Yeah, I mean, it's true. We, we sometimes emphasize being saved from ourselves. Absolutely. But ultimately, where does the Scripture focus on? It's being saved from God's wrath, from God himself. We need a mediator. Why, I mean, why do we need a mediator? Why do we need someone to go before the Father on our behalf? Because God's not happy with us. Okay? He sees our sin. He sees our rebellion. If he's just and he's righteous, he must deal with it. And he will. So, praise the Lord, we have someone who will intercede on our behalf. Amen? So look at Revelation 22. This is Jesus. He's wrapping up his message that he's delivered to John. He says in verse 16, I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Then notice what it says in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I just want us to to kind of focus on something because I've established that we're the bride, right? Right? And that the Spirit is doing His work. And we need the Spirit for people to get saved. But notice, who's doing the calling here? Verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say come. So the Spirit is doing His work, but He's doing His work through us. The spirit and the bride. If you just have the bride, ain't going to be no salvation. You got to have the spirit. But the spirit uses his bride to spread the message of salvation. That is how God has ordained it. We have to be the mouthpiece. Look at Romans chapter 10. We'll just read two verses here. Three, starting in verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So you notice the progression that's going on there, right? they got to believe to be saved. That's the, really the first question. But how are they going to believe if they've never heard? Okay, so we gotta, we got to get them the info about what Jesus did. Then the next question, how are they to hear without someone preach? Oh, well, they need the info. How are they going to get that information? Okay, preaching, sharing, witnessing, whatever word you want to call it there. That's really the idea. Then it goes on, how are they going to preach unless they're sent, right? I mean, you just can't sit and preach in your home, right? in your little prayer closet. That doesn't do anybody any good. Just preaching to the wall. No, they got to be sent. we got to go. Long flourish, go. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So what's our job? Is our job to get people to pray a prayer? No. Is our job to get people saved? No. What's our job? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Picture 
<clears throat> Picture a mailman for a second. All right? He's out delivering mail. Going to each house, giving the mail, giving the mail. He gets discouraged every time he delivers a letter and the person opens it and doesn't like the contents of the letter. Think about that for a second. What's the mailman's job? Deliver the letter, right? Is he responsible for the contents of the letter? No. And, and those mailmen, they deliver lots of bad news. We call them bills, okay? <laughs> but his job is not to get people to like the mail. His job is to deliver the mail. So he has to f- stay focused on what his job is. He has to stay focused on that. And we're just like that mailman, okay? We're delivering letters. That's what we're doing. And, and we can end up like that mailman. We get discouraged when someone doesn't like what the letter says. We're not responsible for the contents of the letter. We're just the mail deliverer. So we, we, we're going to keep handing out the mail because that's what our boss has told us to do. Okay, so we do our job, and we do our job faithfully. We <clears throat> went out uh, the other day uh, with Pray and Go, and we parked our car in front of this house. We actually just had one little section that, that um, we didn't know there was only like four houses on this one little street, so we um, thought it was a longer street. Anyway, we came back to hit it. We parked in front of this lady's house, and like as soon as we pull up, she's like at the front door, like I feel like, like with the desk there. And I was like, oh, Lord, like the very first house, you're going to like let this go downhill on us. I'm like, okay, all right, that's cool. Um, so we get out and we walk up um, to her door and, uh, and she's standing there waiting. She cracks, she cracks the door open and I'm just like, hey, I'm Mike and this is my wife, Andrea. And, and we're out praying for all the homes and, and the families in, uh, in O'Fallon and, and just letting people know we care about our community and, and we love them. And she kind of like nods her head. I'm like, um, is there anything that we can, we can pray for you for? And she kind of hangs her head and she says, um, my husband just passed away two months ago. And then she just like loses it and is just like crying and crying and crying. And <clears throat> so I'm like, hey, can we pray for you right now? And, um, and we prayed and obviously she's going through a tough time and will be for a while. But you can tell, uh, you could tell how much of a blessing it was just for someone to stop and pray with her. And that's one of those people, like I encourage you when we're out there, if you have like uh, an encounter like that, you know, we we got her name. Um, After we left, we jotted down the address. You know, we're going to circle back with her, see if she needs help with anything. Let her know we still care, that we didn't, it just wasn't a one-time stop and and we prayed and moving on. Um, We're going to show her the love of Jesus. Uh, Because that's, that's what we're out there doing. Um, I mean, what was that worth, guys? An hour of outreach time, a few hundred dollars for door hangers. These are the people, these are the people we're going out there for, letting them know that Christ is using us to minister to them. These are the people we're praying for. These are the people we're showing the love of Christ to. And you know what? We're going we're gonna to keep doing it. We're going to go back, and her name's Jenny. You can pray for Jenny. We're going to keep going back and looking if there's more of an open door there for us. Here's our problem. All right, I'm guilty of it too. 
We want instant results. Okay, we live in like a microwave society. Uh, God usually does his work in, in an oven-style way. All right? Scripture, think about this for a second, friends. Scripture uses imagery over and over again of the harvest, of agriculture. <clears throat> but guess what? The farmer plants his seed long before he ever sees a harvest. Long before he ever sees a harvest. And he plants that seed believing that what? There's going to be a crop to be harvested. He, the, the farmer every year, now it's based in part on his own experience, but he's out there spending all that money on seed, hoping and believing that there's going to be a harvest. But what does he do in the meantime? He nourishes the seed, right? Long before he ever sees the harvest. And he's watering it. He's taking care of it. He's getting out the weeds. But we want something like a seed that like instantly turns into a full-grown plant the moment we drop it on the ground. And, we, and, and then 15 minutes later, we want there to be fruit on that plant. Okay? Or vegetables, whatever. We kind of want like right, 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 right now. Friends, we got we to sow before we can reap. We've got to be faithful to sow. So we have to till the ground. We have to plant the seeds. We have to nourish them. We have to water them. Another gentleman, uh, another person we, we came across was a gentleman. His name was Gus. And he was out um, kind of prepping his, his rose garden for the winter. And we came up after talking briefly with him. We asked Gus if there was anything we could pray for him. And he said, I just found out uh, my great niece um, died in a horrible car accident. So we prayed for him. He'd also shared that his back was hurting. We prayed for um, him, for uh, his niece's uh, family, prayed for his back, um, went on our way. When we kind of looped back around, he, he stopped us again. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if I thank you. He had thanked us, but he's like, I don't know if I thank you guys. I just want to make sure I thank you because I really, really, really appreciate you guys stopping, talking with me, praying for me, praying for my family. Like, isn't that cool? Like, God's using that. God's using us. Here's the thing, friends. Everyone, hopefully, every believer has the desire to grow. But we went around right now, like, do you want to grow in the faith? Do you want to grow in the faith? Everyone be, be saying yes. You want to grow? Let me tell you how to grow. We've talked about some different things before. One thing we haven't probably talked about enough is if you want to grow, go share your faith. Okay? Those that have shared their faith on a somewhat regular basis, can attest how God uses that to grow your faith, to encourage you. You go share with someone, you're going to grow. And let me tell you, you will commune quite sweetly with the Lord afterwards. Listen, the people of Israel had a vision set before them. They had the law of God. At different times, they had different things they were supposed to do. Go into the land, be righteous in the land. They knew what was required of them. But what did they do with it? Did they live it out? Did they walk it out? No. So knowing and doing are two different things. So many of us know the right thing to do. It doesn't mean we do it. So many of us know the right thing to do, but, but we've got to get to the next step of living it out and actually doing it. So if we want this church to be what God 
has designed it to be, we'll have to live out the vision. Not you know the vision, but we've got to live out the vision. We've got to walk it out. And listen, outreach can't just be done by an outreach team. Okay? Outreach can't just be done by an outreach team. Now, we've got a couple people helping out and making things work, and Justice and I are kind of overseeing things, but it can't just be done by an outreach team. Why? Because we're all called to do it. We're all called to do it. Okay? So you can have an outreach team. Praise the Lord. Let's have one. But we're all called to do it. So one of the things that's alarming to me, friends, I'm just going to share this, is a believer who thinks they're more mature than they really are. We need to have a humility about us. I was even talking with Justice right before the service started. Like, we need to have humility in our walk with the Lord and not think that we're all that. We need to have some humbleness as we try to walk out our Christianity, as we try to walk out what the Lord is having us to do. The, the, the Mormons came, uh, as we're out praying and going, the Mormons came to our door, okay? <laughs> kind of interesting. I, they haven't come probably in years and years and years. We start praying and going, and what do the Mormons do? They're, they're knocking and, and lying, okay? I'm just being truthful. So they come knocking at our door the other day. Andrea invites them. He's like, now's not a good time, but come on back. We'll, we'll talk with y'all. So I don't know if y'all know the setup or not, but it's usually two of them, right? Um, but they brought a third person with them, which is fine. Um, so the, it's kind of like the two missionaries, but you could tell this. I, I actually was trying to figure out what this third guy was doing what was up with him. And so I was really trying to direct a lot of my questions towards him. And he said something. <clears throat> uh, well, he said, he said September 4th, just talking like a couple months ago, September 4th was the day his life changed. And so I was like, why? And he's like, that's the day the Mormons knocked on my door. So here this guy is, the third of the three, that um, they, just, they just knocked on his door a couple months ago. And, and he talked about growing up. And the Mormons came along. And that's, that's what changed it for him. And, and <clears throat> I, I felt like, well, I felt like this. I felt like the Mormons beat us to the punch. Like this guy was primed for the gospel, I believe. Primed for the gospel. And he responded to a false gospel. They got to him first, and now, now he's sold out, and he's on fire, completely deceived, and on his way to hell. And I felt like one, I actually felt one, it was actually an encouragement a little bit from the Lord, because like, if this guy's willing to respond to a false gospel, then there's definitely people out there that will respond to the real gospel. Okay? But I also felt like it was a rebuke from the Lord, because James was ripe for the picking, and Satan seized the opportunity and swooped in and deceived him and snatched him up. I mean, friends, we've got the mail, okay? We've got the mail. Let's deliver that mail to these people. Let's, let, let's stop letting James out there getting deceived. And let's get them the real mail. Let's get them the truth. We don't need to worry about people's reaction. That's just the fear of man, if we're really honest about it. Focus on the job that we've been given. And that's the hard part, is walking out the vision and acting it and practicing it. Where does it start? It honestly might be tempting to say it starts with us 
or it starts with our hearts. No, it starts with the Lord. All right, he's got to be primary. We have to be committed to him. Our hearts have to be set on him. But we can end up making this real man-centered if we're not careful. We've got to have our Christian walk be God-centered. So it starts with the Lord. Then, it, then, then we come into the picture. And we're committed to him. And he has our hearts. So we follow him out of love and obedience wherever he directs us to go. We put him in his kingdom first. We follow him in his lead wherever that might take us. And for us as a church, that's going to be looking like belong. Belong to the body of Christ. Flourish. Flourishing as disciples. And then we're going to go in service and mission. All those things, as we've talked about, are intricately linked. 25 sermons, friends. 25 sermons. And now it's time for us to take all that and continue and start for some of us to really practice it. To truly walk it out. To belong, to flourish, and to go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are on your throne. I thank you that your son Jesus is at your right hand. Father, I thank you that no one is out of the reach of you. Every single person that we can think of right now that doesn't know you, you can save them. And Father, I ask that you would. Lord, we pray for James, who's believed in a false gospel, that he might hear the true gospel and respond in true faith to you. Lord, we pray for Jenny, who lost her husband. Open up a door for, for us for continued ministry there. I pray you'd come into her life. I pray your spirit would rest upon her house. I pray she would receive the truth of the gospel. And we pray for Gus and for his extended family. Lord, you take some of the worst of the worst of the worst of tragedies and redeem them for good. And I pray you would redeem this situation and his family for good, Lord. Use it to bring people to know you, for your gospel to go forth. God, we've hung up 893 door hangers in just a week. And some of them have probably been tossed aside. Some of them are already in the trash. But I believe many aren't. And they're laying somewhere or sitting somewhere. I pray the right person would pick it up at the right time. They'd go to the website, see that plan of salvation. They'd visit this church and hear the gospel of truth. Maybe that's not for weeks. Maybe it's not for months. I don't know, but you do. Put those hangers, Lord, where you need them. It's not on the front door, Lord. It's in those people's houses. Whoever needs to run across it, the mom, the dad, the son, the daughter, the friend visiting, the grandparent coming over to babysit, Whoever that might be, Lord, make that divine appointment for them to see it. 
Let these people be encouraged. There's all sorts of hurt going on in these homes, 893. Anything we can possibly think of has probably happened in at least a handful of those homes, God. So we do pray collectively for all 893. We pray for your mercy. We pray for your compassion. We pray that each one of them would have the gospel preached to them, that you would continue to bring believers into their life, to model it, but also to speak the truth to them. Lord, there's probably other churches out there right now praying similar things. And we are the believers in the unbelievers' lives that are modeling it, and we need to speak it now. So may we speak the truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true, though every man be a liar. And I pray for each person here. I pray for each family at Liberty that your hand of blessing would rest upon each family, that your hand of mercy, that your hand of truth, that whatever you bring, Lord, to any family here, they would trust you. They would lean on you. They would see that you are good. God, we ask that you would continue to have your way with us, continue to have your way with this church, continue to use us to make an imprint and an impact on our community for your glory. Amen.